Matt, I think you should do the intro this time. I'm going to throw you a curveball. <laughs> um, well, this is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast, and I'm Matt Parmley, my awesome co-host, Mr. Kyle Bird. Say hi, Kyle. I'm in the house. We also have a special guest of honor, the awesome Kevin Derendorf. Woo! Everybody cheer! Yeah! Yay! Who, uh, I feel like anytime we have him on now, we should mention, uh, the Mazer Patrol blog is great, uh, but author of a book, Kaiju for Hipsters, and it's all of the obscure kaiju movies that you didn't know uh, that you should be watching. Isn't that right, Kevin? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm... I'm always uh, always glad when you guys decide to uh, kidnap me away from Mazer Patrol for uh, a couple hours. <laughs> well, maybe there's some movies in that book that people shouldn't be watching, but regardless, <laughs> anyone well, anyone that's listening uh, hopefully has looked at the title of the episode. Um, so uh, this is Godzilla, the series, the animated series uh, that was the sequel to the 1998 movie. Um, which is this year celebrating its 20th anniversary, 20 years. And we are old as shit. <laughs> I, that is insane to me because I very clearly remember watching this show on Saturday mornings like it was yesterday, practically. Um, and I knew we needed to ask Kevin on because... He's pro- a, a, he's probably the biggest fan of this show that I actually know, um, which I, I know from talking to him, but also I think the first time I heard him say that was I was reading the Mazer Patrol blog, and at some point it, there was some insanely hyperbolic statement about the show, like one of the greatest shows of all time or something. And I was like, right there, I was like, well, if we, when we get to the inevitable episode we need to get him in and it was only natural um so uh is it just me or is this show kind of like i almost forgotten among godzilla fans yeah (laughs) it's it's crazy to me because well i think part of the problem is people hated that 98 movie and they hated it to the point where they didn't want to check out anything that came later. And that was a mistake. That's like watching the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie and saying, well, that wasn't very good. I'm not going to check out that TV show. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 a little strange. I mean, uh, and, and we'll get into it. Um, I mean, the amount of talent and, you know, veteran uh, writers or just awesome voice casting involved in this show is is pretty ridiculous um and you know i mean the 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 show is such a course correction from the movie um that you know i i i think the bias against it is uh it's the kind of silliness that is uh is very um i guess expected out of out of the godzilla fandom at, at this point um, because, uh, it's, I, I, it, I think it's a really good show. I think we all would agree with that. And, uh, yeah, it's very strange just because, 
Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't have the nostalgic value, but I feel like even the Hanna-Barbera one is, is talked about more. I, I would fall into the category of people that hated the 98 thing so much that even when I watched the cartoon, I watched it through the lens of like, man, I, I just, I, I can't do this. But I mean, we, watching it now, especially because I, I basically, I watched every episode with my son and he was glued to the, you know, glued to the TV from start to finish. So, I mean, it does a lot of things right. I think it goes a long way to rectify a lot of the wrongs of the 98 film. And we'll get into to a lot of those details, I'm sure. But yeah. um, it's, it's a great show. I mean, I'll come out right up front and say that I really enjoyed watching this, this show. Um. I, I think the, the lens actually goes both ways, because now when I watch the 98 movie, I actually like it more because I'm like, oh, it's it's Craven and Elsie. Oh, it's Colonel Hicks. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, you wouldn't care about these characters if you didn't have the show as, as that frame of reference and like <laughs> knowing that this is what it leads into. I mean, that's true. Uh, but gla- luckily, most of the characters from the movie that uh, carry over into the show are like way better like they're better yeah, they're, they're, they're bit, better they're versions of themselves <laughs> in the show yeah like nick's not such a dweeb he at might all. be I mean, the like, most different yeah uh, he's not the yeah. like befuddled uh <laughs> like bumbling i can't imagine <laughs> matthew matthew broderick shouting like go 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 <laughs> yeah i mean well i mean they essentially they took that part of his character and they made that into mendel is what they <laughs> what they did <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, pretty much every character is an improvement, uh, and I, I guess, you know, we'll, we're jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit, um, I will say, though, uh, I mean, I was in middle school when this movie came out, and, you know, I was a kid, and, you know, it's Saturday morning cartoon, it's Godzilla, and so I liked it a lot when it came out, and then, um, I really don't think I watched it as an adult until um there was the uh the dvd set that mill creek put out which is all 40 episodes and it's still in print you can buy it for under ten dollars almost anywhere that has it so i mean i think this show i mean i think that's more than worth it's worth more than that price and i think this for that price especially this is worth checking out but um and it was partially because of that price too. I was like, "Oh, well, that's coming out. Uh, it's only it's less than ten bucks," and you know, so I clicked the little pre-order link, and then you know, it comes in, and I I was really kind of, um, you know, everything that you like when you're like twelve or thirteen. A lot of that stuff when you revisit it, you're like, Ugh, you know, I, this isn't that good. Like around the same time, I was like a big fan of Kevin Smith movies, and like every Kevin Smith movie I've watched like as an adult. I've been like, wow, why did I like this? <laughs> uh, I'm afraid to go back and revisit Clerks for that very reason. I just want to hold on to the memory I have of it. But I was like, I was kind of like dreading, like, well, let's see how it is. And after like a few episodes, I was like, like, I wasn't planning on watching the whole series when I got that set. I was like, well, you know, nostalgic value, it's cheap, blah, blah, blah. And after a few episodes, I was like, wow, I actually really enjoy this still. And I and I ended up watching, like, all of them in, like, a week. And I was like, wow, that I might even appreciate it more now. <laughs> uh, so that being said, um, 
yeah, I was, I was, uh, it was a pleasant surprise to see how well it held up for me. And um, honestly, I think it's probably one of the last like really good kind of Saturday morning like action adventure cartoons that we had. Unless there's, unless I'm forgetting something. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not like up to speed on newer stuff. I know a lot of people like the Teen Titans, the, the older one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I remember from the '90s cartoons. Batman the Animated Series, Gargoyles, and of course X-Men and Spider-Man were probably the ones that I, that I paid attention to the most. And I kind of watched it tick off and on only because it came on before X-Men for me. But yeah, th- this is like, I feel like one of the last sh- great shows in that wave of cartoons that you were just talking about. Um, I also think it's worth contextualizing this as, as Godzilla fans, we talk about like, oh, you know... We, we got to spend so much time in the Heisei series with Mickey Saigusa, and it's like, but... It's like, did we really? <laughs> yeah, Godzilla the series is 40 episodes. That's the longest continuing story in anything Godzilla. And not These only the- that, like, I'm, I don't think it's like, a, you know, the, the great character study, character building stuff, but like for a Saturday morning cartoon... You know, you do see the the relationships between the characters change over the course of the series and and stuff. And you know, I, I think there's something to be said for that. Well, they actually have arcs as opposed to just like, oh, we're gonna make Mickey do. You know, she's gonna be abducted by the mafia this movie for apparently no reason. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, I think you hit on something, Bird, that I've been thinking about, and that's watching this series shows how to write a story they you know they introduce a character as a villain and that character pops up later on they introduce an alien invasion and that idea is threaded in the next couple episodes and it comes back to fruition later on so they, they do things like that that when you're watching the show as like a kid maybe you're not really paying that much attention to but as an adult like i really appreciated the storytelling because there's a little bit of depth there and, and i and i wasn't honestly expecting that to be to be frank when i watched it yeah it, it's not the deepest of character studies and but but for a show of its type i definitely think it's it's worth noticing and uh yeah i mean you you watch the first episode and then you watch the last episode and the characters are interacting differently you know the things are different um uh the relationships between the characters change uh but um so yeah i mean let's let's get into uh, you know the the production of the show, and um, you know we'll we'll break it down in to many uh, different aspects, and we'll of course get to our favorite and least favorite episodes and monsters and all that jazz. Um, but uh, I guess I'll start with uh, uh, pre-production here, uh, of which uh, Matt, I think you assigned this one to me, so. Um, plans for an animated series were finalized eight months before the movie was released. Um, and, uh, the producer, Jeff Klein, uh, he made an outline and a series Bible. Um, and, uh, he had access to the Godzilla design and information about the movie. And, um, he wanted to take the design and, and stuff from the 98 monster and add characteristics of the classic Japanese version of the character, um, and uh, him and his main crew uh, had access to all the information from the movie, 
Um, but a lot of people didn't. So before the movie was released, uh, as many are aware, Godzilla's design was very heavily guarded. Um, and the head director, Adu Padan, uh, he was even working with storyboards that had Godzilla-like outlines, and later Godzilla would, was filled in, you know, after the movie was released. Um, and uh, pretty much like everything surrounding the 1998 movie, um, uh, there was a lot of fake outlines and designs that were kind of leaked um, to different websites to counter rumors that the uh, Godzilla animated series was in development. Um, so they made fake characters with superhero capes and powers and, you know, different looking monsters like called uh, with code names like Gorgon and one was even Thingy. Uh, they made these fake uh, presentation posters and hung them all over the Sony office uh, for this fake show. It was called Heat Seekers. And, you know, for those who have watched the show, you know that the team of scientists is called Heat. Um but yeah, these fake characters with fire powers and, and stuff were kind of leaked everywhere to deter, you know, that, hey, this is a Godzilla series. Um, uh, much like the movie, uh, Toho retained final approval over all the scripts and the designs. Um, and uh, in addition to costing more, because Toho has a weird thing where, like, the rights to the characters are separate. Like, you can't just be like, okay, I'm buying the rights to all the Marvel characters, like, no. Like, it's not that simple, because with Toho, nothing is. Um, but uh, in addition to that being a reason why none of the classic monsters show up, um, the show is on a, a tight budget, and, or a tight schedule, rather. And so, um, you know, by the time they would submit a character for approval and wait for it to get back, you know, they didn't really have that um, kind of time to waste. Um and uh, the decision to make this Godzilla uh, act and have more characteristics um, uh, in common with the Japanese version was uh, a pretty early decision. Um, a lot of the, the show's staff, including um, Adu Padan, uh, who was a director and producer, um, the dir a director, Tilma, El Tilma Eldred, um, the artist, uh, Keith Aiken, who listeners and people in the fandom might know as uh he later co-founded sci-fi japan and he's worked on a lot of home video releases but he was an artist on the show they were all you know fans of the character from childhood um and they wanted to you know bring over more of you know the the classic godzilla um and then roland emmerich and dean devlin uh, were uh, executive producers they were more hands-on in the pre-production phase but um, they just had a really solid crew um, of producers and directors and showrunners and artists that, you know, they, they eventually just really re scaled way back in their role and, you know, just trusted them to do whatever. Um, so uh, you may be wondering, how is a cartoon like that made? Um, so yeah, that's pre-production. So Matt, why don't you tell us how, how are, how is, how are cartoons made? Um, so Jeff Klein would actually go in and approve a, a premise and he would assign it to a writer. Um, Adu Padan, he, he's well-known Simpsons, Animaniacs, Spider-Man, Rugrats, Pinky and the Brain. Um, he would actually then come up with some of the characters, the setting, and then he would work with the designer, um, Phil Barlow, and he would actually create the monsters. So once the episodes were written and the, vo the voices were then recorded and they'd be combined into um, basically the, the show that was sent to be 
sent to Korea for animation. Unlike most cartoons, the backgrounds were actually painted onto animation cells. So they could actually be anywhere from two to 10 cells deep in total. Um, it would take a total of 10 to 15 weeks for an episode to come back from Korea. And then they had to be checked, of course. Um, the kinds of errors they would check for would be like dust specs. They would use the wrong background. So maybe there would be a city scene would have like a space background. Which is um, hilarious, by the way. I know. I can't, I can't even fathom <laughs> how that would happen. But <laughs> um, characters would be missing heads. Like, how does that happen? Can someone... I, anyway, small mistakes that could easily be fixed. And then you had the bigger ones that actually would require footage to be sent back to Korea and then to be altered. I think um, it's cool that they uh, they painted the the background cells, and they would sometimes be like just a, a ton of cells. When you watch the show, I think it there like there is depth to what you're there. There's there a lot of stuff like in forests and and like they change landscapes so often, and, and the show travels to various countries. So I think that works to the show's advantage that they were able to to do the lavish backgrounds. It gives it a very different look from a lot of animated series, and I think they might have been riffing on, because Batman the Animated Series had just done something a few years earlier that was revolutionary, where they drew all the backgrounds on black paper instead of white paper. So this is sort of a almost an in-between with that, where they're not even using paper, they're just cells all the way down. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, so... Uh uh, Kevin, uh, uh, once the, sh- you know, the show, the episodes are in the can, um, there's like, there's not a whole lot to talk about the, the release other than it actually was pretty successful, uh, for a while. Um, but, uh, why don't you run down a couple tidbits about, um, you know, the release and the, the push Fox kids was, was making for the show at the time. Sure. Well, the thing was, nobody knew that 1998's Godzilla was going to be a flop. So they really uh, went all out. Fox ordered 40 episodes right off the bat, as opposed to doing this typical TV thing. And like, oh, let's order 13 episodes, see how it does, and maybe add another six, and maybe another six after that, or something like that. No, they were they were committed. They were in 100%. So they're like, all right, this is going to be a smash hit movie. We've got to have the new tie-in series. Let's really commit. And uh, yeah, so they they were pushing it hard, and they were advertising it pretty hard even when the uh, movie didn't do all that well they you know they'd already paid for the show they were going to promote it and uh it actually it paid off pretty well for them it did pretty fantastically in the ratings higher than most other things on the on the fox kids block and uh you know they would they would move things around a little bit uh to you know hype up certain episodes ahead of other ones during you know sweeps or oh this is the season premiere even though it was all yeah. 140 episode Which run. Is something that still confuses people because the air date is different from the you know the canonical you know actual order of episodes so um like if you <laughs> like i remember i think it's like one of like it's like episode like 15 or something was like the second one that they aired and or the third, because the yeah, there's the two-parter at the beginning. But yeah, I, th- I think that's something that still confuses people to this day. Um, and then what? What ultimately doomed the show, right? Because I think it was doing really good up until the infamous Pokemon versus Digimon war. Correct. Yep, that was a that was a huge escalation where Kids WB was airing Pokemon. It was a smash hit. 
Uh, obviously, I don't think anyone of a certain age group was unaware of that. Uh, and then Fox was sort of responding with their their own series, such as Digimon, which is not actually that similar, except that they have similar names. And uh, Digimon is also fantastic. In, in fact, it's, it's a lot better than Pokemon. But... Uh, <laughs> they just started airing more and more episodes to sort of compete with each other and everything else got pushed to the wayside. And that's actually yeah. where you start to see the complete devolution of Saturday morning cartoons as a cultural landmark in America. Yeah. And I, I remember that's when I like, you know, I wanted to keep up with Godzilla and I tried, but it, the, the, this like, Oh, we're going to push Digimon and fight as hard as we can against Pokemon on WB. Like that was so bad that I remember they just started using Godzilla episodes to fill random 30-minute spaces. Like, Godzilla did not have a consistent time slot anymore. Because uh, back in back in our day, uh, we would program a VCR to record at the same time every week. And that's how I always got my Saturday cartoons, because I know uh, I ain't getting up at, like, 7 a.m. when this stuff airs. So... <laughs> <laughs> so... I like I would check my tape and it would always be freaking Digimon or something and I'd be like where is Godzilla and then like I would later find out that oh they aired Godzilla at like 11 that day or oh this week we didn't air Godzilla at all we just showed six Digimon episodes and it just I couldn't keep up with the show anymore at that point because you never knew when it was going to be on um and like even like TV listings and stuff like you know, the TV Guide channel for, like, it would say, like, uh, I forget what the words were when there, like, wasn't, like, a designated spot for something. It might even have been, like, paid programming. And, you know, <laughs> oh, that's where they just threw Godzilla because, you know, he's just a, a piece of shit now <laughs> that Pokemon and Digimon <laughs> are fighting. So that's how yeah. I, like, just fell out of the show because I was like, I don't know when this is airing. <laughs> I think a lot of people did, and you know, two episodes never even aired in the U.S. They, you know, wound up airing overseas. So yeah. that's how. In how fact, I, I, <laughs> I think until that DVD release, I think the only time they were even shown to the public was um, at uh, at one of the G Fests where they had. Yeah. It was a there. Asian Fantasy Film Expo. Was it okay? It, yeah, they had. Uh, uh, I think Keith and Audu were there, and they showed those two unaired episodes. And yeah, until the DVD release, those were un unseen. But yeah, no, that was insane, you know. And I've I've still I haven't seen anything like that happen. I'm sure it has, but you know, yeah. that's when I couldn't the, watch it anymore. Um, the the episodes did air in other countries, so you know, if you were crafty and and willing to uh, pay somebody overseas to record something for you, yeah. not not that I would ever do such a thing, <laughs> even for for Godzilla series. I Get mean, it dubbed uh, in French or, or something. <laughs> <laughs> with the show's plot it picks up right after the events of the movie um and you will immediately notice that first of all nobody looks the way they did in the movie uh you know that was to avoid having to pay all the actors likeness rights uh which is a thing believe it or not um the second thing you'll notice is probably that everyone is better <laughs> than they were in the movie you know nick is now a much more uh straightforward heroic uh um he's not, he's doc savage basically yeah yeah he, he's 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 not the 
the nerdy little dweeb of the movie. Um, uh, and uh, <clears throat> so the one, the surviving Godzilla egg from the end of the movie, um, Nick's like, hey, we should go double check and make sure, you know, there's no no stragglers. Um, and it hatches and it imprints on him. The baby Godzilla imprints on him, and uh, uh, so he is kind of, you know, hey, this is my parent, my mom, my dad. Um, and that is where the bond between Nick and the, and the, the baby Godzilla come in. Um, and then, uh, essentially from there, it's basically like the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, but like a good version of it. You know, the general plot is is very similar. There's a team of scientists, um, and they go and, and investigate, uh, strange creature sightings. And there's very often an enemy monster every week. Um, and Godzilla is kind of their, uh, protector and he fights the monsters for them. Um, and, uh, there's no Godzuki and <laughs> they, so, they do have a white boat. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so Nick uh, puts together the Team Heat, which is comprised of uh, um, some new and old characters. Uh, so uh, returning from the movie are Elsie Chapman, who was Vicky Lewis's character, um, who is uh, basically nothing in the movie, and uh, she is a sarcastic uh, behavioral biologist or something, right? Uh, she's yeah. she's basically a, a a biologist like she was in the movie, not strictly a paleontologist though. Okay. Uh, also returning the in the movie, blink and you miss him. Malcolm Denaire as Mendel Craven, one of the only actors to uh, uh, return from the movie to do the voice, um, who has retained his cold from the movie, um, and he's. Uh, you know, your overweight, super nerdy scientist. Um, and he also has a helper robot named Nigel, who uh, gets killed every episode, voiced by SpongeBob himself, Tom Kenny. Um, and then uh, we have some new characters. Uh, we have, uh, for the kids, um, the teenage Randy Hernandez, uh, who uh, gives the kids their comic relief and their extreme sports and whatever else 90s kids used to like um and then you have monique who is a french um what is she <laughs> french spy basically yeah basically um, she's an agent to who over, is, oversee is, what's going on yes who is working for philippe jean renault's character from from the movie and he 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 basically assigned her and say hey these guys are still messing around with monsters you got to go watch them um, and she was added to kind of, uh, from, from what I understand, she was actually added to counter the fact that the movie didn't really have, um, a, a badass kind of strong female character. Um, and then, uh, some supporting characters worth mentioning. You have Major Hicks, uh, another actor, uh, returning to voice the role. And that's Kevin Dunn, who I actually really like. He's a really good character actor, but... He comes back, and he's a much different, uh, more sympathetic 
version of the character. Like I said, everyone's pretty much a better version of their movie counterpart. Um, you know, he's he's a little bit more like uh, Admiral Stenz from the 2014 movie. He's just kind of, you know, my hands are tied on a lot of this stuff. If you have a reasonable, like, explanation as to why I should sweep this under the rug and work with you on this, you know, I'll listen. Um, and then showing up in, I think, only a handful of episodes, but originally intended to play a bigger part, uh, is, of course, Mayor Ebert. And returning to that voice role is Michael Lerner, another great character actor who was in the movie. Um and uh, he's a, he's a, he, even he, for as little as he does in this show, and as for as few appearances he has, even he's a better version than he is in the movie. He's no longer a, uh, a, um, a Roger Ebert parody. He's just a asshole mayor. Um, and that, that's our character breakdown now. Um, and then, of course, Audrey is back uh, in limited capacity, thank God, although she is more bearable. <laughs> and then, uh, um, and then Animal is also back again. He's a little more bearable this time, voiced by Joe Pantoliano, um, who a lot of people probably know at this point. Um, now, now, Kevin, uh, you want to kind of get into the voice cast of the main, the main people here? Uh, not every, I don't know the entire main voice cast really, just the more prolific ones. But I know you said we should talk about the voice cast a little bit. So why don't you expand on that a little? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that a few of them are particularly prolific. And as you mentioned, we have uh, <laughs> Nick is, is now voiced by Ian Searing, who, uh, I mean, I guess people would know from Beverly Hills, but I think everybody really knows from Sharknado. Well, yes, so. he's had a strange rebirth as the lead of the <laughs> Sharknado films, yes. And then Randy is also particularly noteworthy. Um, uh, his voice actor is uh, Reno Romano, who... Uh, in the Batman, so he's he's probably like after Kevin Conroy, who you can't even like count as as a Batman voice actor because he's just so much above everybody else. Like Bruno Romano would be like everyone's second favorite Batman. So, uh, and then you know Tom Kenny, as we mentioned, is SpongeBob, and so many other voices. Um, which, uh, yeah, they're speaking of which, uh, him him playing the the robot uh, Nigel, you know. Uh, next millennium intelligence gathering electronic liaison uh he's he's played by tom kenny and then he dies every episode and south park had just started airing a year before this came out so it's an intentional nod to they killed kenny i believe yeah it, they they said as much uh and then uh yeah i i understand that monique's uh voice actress it's uh bridget Paco. I understand that she's been in a, a handful of things. They're not really things that I'm super familiar with, but you know, she was she was in the Gargoyles TV series and um, uh, done some anime dubs and things like that, uh, as well as live action movies that I have just not seen. Yeah, I think we've covered just about everybody. Uh, I mean, so, um, so I, they they. <laughs> the actress that voices Elsie, I'm not too familiar with. Um, and then uh, Audrey is Paget Brewster. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean overall, that's you know that's a, a good, uh, a good a good handful of, of folks. And then uh, when we get into guest actors, we'll get into even more uh, awesome people. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, um, I guess in general, uh, we, I mean, we gave a lot of our general thoughts in the, the opening, but I mean, we can kind of take a deep, deeper dive into the review section here and, um, uh, I'm gonna. I, I think Matt should probably go first, just because I know that he caught it a little bit when it first aired. But this was, you know, for the most part, I I, I would say it's probably it was probably like ninety percent new to him. So, uh, Matt, I I kind of want to give get your general thoughts and impressions uh, before Kevin and I run our mouths. So I want to get the one negative thing, Bird. We we've talked about this in our little Facebook chat quite often, but. The the one thing that doesn't work and will never work for me. Oh, are is we getting into this nine. already? We are. We are. Okay. Yeah. All I'm, right, I'm all gonna right. just I'm gonna get the negative out of the way because there's so much good about the show that that's what I really want to focus on. All right. Well, um, go ahead and Kevin and I can tell you why you're wrong after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but for me, it's not just if you take away the '98 film. And I, I kind of go back to something that Gareth Edwards talked about when they were designing the 2014 Godzilla. And he basically said when they were designing him, the idea was we want to capture a design that, that is the classic Godzilla silhouette. So if you showed it to anybody on the street, they would say, oh, that's Godzilla. And this design basically fails that criteria for me. And that is one of the main reasons why just, it, it bothered me to watch the cartoon. But that's the one negative thing I'll say about it. So, like, I, I don't like the design. I don't really count the monsters Godzilla. But I will say that everything else about the show is honestly the 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 score, the music is is wonderful. It's actually memorable. Like, my son will hum the tune when it comes on. That's how memorable it is. And I mean that that to me says a lot about how well it's written. Um, the stories are great. They, there's you know for a kids show I feel like there's a lot of very hard sci-fi elements that you wouldn't see in, in maybe other shows. Um, the it's action packed. They do a lot with the characters where the characters actually evolve over a period of time, which we've we've talked about already. But that's something that I think is really important for this particular show. The animation's great. There's a lot of nods to you know not just Toho monsters, but to other various sci-fi franchises like John Carpenter's The Thing, which happens to be my favorite movie and, and there's, there's a lot of stuff uh, like there's that, a whole though. episode that's basically a remake of the thing exactly and and so the one i'm gonna i'm gonna put the negative thing out there but like after that i found myself immensely engrossed in the show and enjoying it and you know again my son loved the crap out of it too so like it, it works very well for both adults and kids and that's one thing you can't say about every single cartoon that you watch um well, we'll get into Godzilla himself a little later. I don't want to get too sidetracked by that right now. Um, but I mean, I yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree. I, I I do like what you said about the the sci-fi elements. Um, I mean, I'm no uh, scientist, shocker. Uh, but um, so I mean, I don't know how accurate half of this <laughs> sciency babble is that they 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 making the the show probably not very but um it it does show that uh you know that they're taking the science seriously enough to kind of put it forward um and it seems like it has you know some basis in reality if they're talking about chemical compounds or or something like that but um you know it, it's confident in in that element which i liked you know usually 
there's a section of of every episode where you know they'll break down a monster's physiology or uh you know um you know uh talk about its natural habitat or you know reproductive system or or something um and you know it's fictional monsters sure but you know that you know i i like that they took a scientific approach to it and um it didn't feel too dumbed down uh you know for a kid's show um and uh yeah there's not too much overall thoughts that that i can say that i haven't said either earlier or that you didn't say um yeah i mean i i think of if anything like any show that has 40 episodes you know every now and then you run into an episode that you know just kind of falls flat or is just kind of filler um but you know for a monster of the week kind of show uh i do like you know that they 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 do try to keep episodes fresh by putting them in different settings or um you know it kind of answers some questions that you think about you know in godzilla movies like um, especially when there's a, a, a team that kind of has some kind of responsibility for the monsters. Like, uh, there's an episode where they're getting sued by, I don't know if, I don't remember what state it was, but the state was it's suing Miami. Them. Okay, yeah, I, I was going <laughs> to say Florida, but I didn't want to mess up. But, um, yeah, there's a, an episode where they're getting sued by the state. Um, there's, go like, a, a Godzilla gets a mate, you know? Godzilla, you know, gets, gets uh, some tail, uh and well i guess literally and figuratively um so i mean yeah they they really kind of explore different scenarios and uh i i really appreciate that it it's kind of like you know just gets into the the kind of everyday of what it's like to live with godzilla i guess or i guess in this case a, a juvenile uh version of godzilla um uh and yeah, I mean, we'll get into it, but a crap ton of actual, real, legitimate talent poured into the show. Um, and uh, like I said earlier, I mean, I guess I, I might have spoke too soon, but when I revisited this show, what, four years ago or so, when that, that DVD set comes out, I was not not expecting it to, to hold up. I thought, like, a lot of things I liked when I was younger, especially especially Saturday morning cartoons, like... When I was a kid, my age group, like everyone, I loved the Ninja Turtles cartoon. And then when I watched that as an adult, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. It's just terrible. <laughs> I, I, I might be offending some TMNT fans out there, but that cartoon, I couldn't believe it. I was like, why did I like this so much? And this series um, did not do that. You know, Same with when I revisited Batman, the animated series. I was like, wow, I'm surprised that... How, how great this is and that's like one of the great animated series of the, of the time and um godzilla is not quite batman animated series good but it's really damn good i would put it um i would put it there with like the the x-men and spider-man cartoons definitely as you know really quality kid shows from from the 90s um so I, uh, I would I would put it ahead of Spider Man. That is one that yeah. Hold up. I, I would I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would I, probably I, sandwich it between X Men and Spider Man. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's kind of my general take, and we'll we'll break things down a little bit more. But Kevin, uh, uh, who uh, remember I remember you once called this one of the greatest shows ever. Uh, yeah, what what share that with us? 
I don't remember which uh, which uh, context I might have said that in, but I I regret nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, getting getting back to the what what you were saying about the the science, it's like yeah, this isn't particularly plausible science, but that goes out the window with Godzilla. Like that comes with the territory. Like the science isn't going to be realistic no matter what. But I really just think it's a it's a great from conceptually to you know treat the audience intelligently and also give a good message to kids that are watching that like this is a show about a team of scientists who each have their own special science it's not like there's they're all like generic science man who can do all sciences uh but then they they use their their specific training and, and skills and apply them in in this real world situation real world being how do we defeat this monster using the science that we are specialists in? And I can't think of another show that's like that. I mean, the closest is maybe Ghostbusters, but with Ghostbusters, it's all supernatural. So it's, you know, even though they're nominally scientists in that, they're like using lore and things as opposed to, you know, name dropping some admittedly pretty like high school level science terms. But uh, I, I, I think that that's just uh, a fantastic theme and message to be dealing with. And it, also helps that you have this supporting human cast that can stack up to Godzilla and they help each other out and you you don't feel like one is is a burden on the other. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I like about this, especially as an adult is like I what I like about this team is they're broke. <laughs> they live <laughs> yeah. in this janky uh like abandoned like uh what is it like a paper factory or something? Yeah, uh, an abandoned the ferry dock, I think. Yeah, and they're always talking about how they have no money, and they're like, you know, we should be like living like rock stars and be rich because we've literally saved the world. But uh, you know, they're but they they're they're broke as hell. They have no money, and like I was and like they do all this super important work that nobody appreciates and i'm like you know what that that is adulthood <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just described my life thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's no like token child or anything which i feel like you'd see in so many tv shows around that time yeah and it, it's one of those things that like you know when you're younger and you're like yeah i want to be a musician i want to be a rock star i want to be a movie director i want to be a and then you re- and then when you get older you come to realize like unless you're like really unless you get to like the a list or even or like it, unless you make it like you're broke <laughs> you know you you're not making a good living like i i think maybe all three of us probably make more than your average touring musician now like <laughs> yeah musicians don't make money unless they are mainstream essentially no, that's an industry that's been completely murdered like so yeah it's <laughs> it's like you know this, this is relatively realistic um so uh I, yeah go ahead i was just gonna say i like the fact that this this when they have all these scientific things going on in the background that they don't dumb it down so much but they also make it like they also gloss over enough details for a kid show that the whoever's watching it can be like oh i kind of get it they're not going to explain every single detail they give you just enough to make the episode advance and so like you don't have to 
you know, you don't take a deep dive into like the scientific quagmire of all these details. They focus on kind of what's important. And I also like the fact that Godzilla isn't showing up to save them every time. Sometimes it's actually the opposite. They have to work as a team with Godzilla to fight a stronger enemy. And that's the heroic aspect of that is kind of neat to, to, to follow throughout the show. Yeah. I will say maybe my one hang up, and it can be explained away with the lore of the show, is uh, I think Godzilla himself sometimes needs a little too much help. Actually, probably a lot of the time, I feel like Godzilla never quite gets, he doesn't get a whole lot of the final blows in on some of the other monsters. It's like, you know, he really depends on the humans, which, again, by the lore of the show, when you remember, okay, this is a juvenile Godzilla, he's basically a kid, it's like, okay, son of Godzilla needs a lot of help. It's like, okay, when you put it like that, (laughs) I can accept it. Um, Son of the 98 Godzilla, no less. (laughs) Right. (laughs) However, uh, I will say that uh, with some middle ground, it does something that I think not enough of the movies do, and that's keeping the humans involved with the monster plot, which how many Godzilla or otherwise, how many kaiju movies do we see where it's mostly just people standing in a room and watching these? <laughs> I was going to say all the nineties films. You know, right. Like, you know, hey, and, let's, put on, let's put Godzilla on the big screen. And, and, but, but, you know, if you look at, you know, a movie like, you know, monster zero or even something like uh, Frankenstein conquers the world, like the humans are always like really on the outskirts and really involved um, and it's something that a lot of kaiju movies are, are sorely missing. Um, and I, I think that, that overall the show did a, a great job of keeping the human cast involved with the monster plot, um, despite my, my little hangups there. Um, so, uh, do you guys want to, how do you guys feel about the characters? I think we should kind of break down... You know, the overview of the main cast. We already said everyone's kind of a better version of the movie version. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I think we're talking characters. Kevin already kind of said, you know, hey, the team dynamic is great. Um, you know, that everyone uses their skill set to do teamwork, which I agree with. Um, but yeah, I mean, where, where do you guys fall on, on the characters? Do you like them? Are there any you don't like, et cetera, et cetera? I feel like they do a pretty good job of, of exploiting. Like it seems very kind of real world worldish where there's always going to be some sort of tension between some characters. And there's a one episode where uh, one of the villains kind of exploits some of the things they don't like about each other and kind of pits them against and, and manipulates them to kind of get at each other's throats. But you have, you know, conflict between the characters that feels very natural for, for a TV show. You have romantic interests and you have like, um, you have Nick and then you have, you know, Audrey or whatever her name is. And they're kind of on again, off again. And there's that whole feeling of betrayal. And, and they revisit those themes that were kind of started in the movie and they bring them throughout the show. And, and I like the fact that it just feels very organic and it's not forced in any way. Like, it's just these are people that have to work every day together. They probably get in real arguments and you see that throughout the show and you see their relationships change and evolve. And, and that's probably the biggest thing I'll say about the show is that the, the characters are a huge strength and the, the tropes that they repeat, such as killing off Nigel every single episode work really, really well. And to see growth in a cartoon show, like, I mean, for me watching it as an adult now, like it's just so well done that I really appreciate that specific aspect of it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, it's <laughs> you know Nick and Audrey's relationship is was probably the worst thing in the movie, and Audrey is maybe the one character coming over from the movie that's not completely fixed, uh, but she's better. Um, but their relationship is is you know it's it's fairly realistic in that um, it's not perfect. You know, I mean it's. These are two people with very demanding and challenging careers, and realistically, there really probably isn't any way they can make it work, not for lack of trying. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that that was... Uh, I don't know I don't know how many kids would really understand their relationship, so, um, you know... Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of where, like, Randy comes in to, you know, m- make the jokes and all the g-man all that all the stuff that he does and then you have mendel who's the nerd who's always like got a cold he's always i mean there's enough of that kind of stuff that i think it gives both uh, the the kids and adults alike something to actually pay attention to yeah and to piggyback off those two specific characters um there's moments and episodes where they they definitely with mendel and randy i think uh lay it on a little a little too thick uh but i do think that the show does enough to humanize them i mean uh, one of my favorite parts i think it was in the, the the giant b episode is when mendel and monique uh uh like he he keeps trying to help her and he's like look you you're hurt just let me help you why don't you just let me help you and then like like i I think the the show does a good job of like even the characters that are more comic relief or goofy or obnoxious like the the mo- the the show does a good enough job of like every now and then stopping and being like hey look like the they this is a like a person you know <laughs> they they all have character flaws and I think that that's a good thing to have in in a series like this it, it, it deepens all of the characters you know uh, nick uh, unlike in the movie he seems to have a bit of a temper problem uh <laughs> you know uh, randy is is you know sloppy and randy's the the one with the, the most character flaws because he's basically super immature and always like playing pranks that sometimes backfire and almost get everyone killed uh <laughs> and then like yeah, Craven is allergic to everything and 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 really prissy and uh, and then so he and Randy don't get along at first, but over the course of the series they become like best bros and it's fantastic. Uh, and then like Elsie is is very like she distances herself and makes lots of sarcastic quips because she doesn't want to be she doesn't want to show any weakness to anyone else and every once in a while you know there's a there's a chink in her armor where she has to deal with her family or you know she <laughs> there, there's one episode where she's like applying for an online dating thing and she's like expecting everyone to make fun of her for it and things like that yeah so and and then monique is well Mo- monique is the terminator so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fairly accurate <laughs> actually and then yeah and then well i mean the the show does kind of exploit those sometimes you know mendel has a thing for elsie that every now and then seems to pay off uh you know the i like that the show plays with the relationships with the characters and you know everyone's not there's not not like a status quo for the way the characters really interact 
all the time. And yeah, I think that, I think that's a good thing. And, um, I definitely think that's the kind of thing that I notice now as an adult watching it. It's like, oh, you know, for a kid's show, they actually do more of this than you might have expected. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. They don't mention this in the series Bible, but I sort of wonder if with the additions of Randy and Monique, if they were looking at the cast of the movie and they're like, ooh, sure is a lot of white people in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Um. Uh, oh, and John Renault's character comes back a couple times, and he's like, he's like way more of an asshole than he was in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I was gonna mention hey, we did not mention during the voiceover thing. Did we talk about Ron Perlman? Because Ron Perlman. Well, no. I the- mean, we we have a whole yeah. list of impressive guest voices that that we're gonna get into pretty soon. Um, I think we've done a lot of general overview su- stuff, so let's kind of get a little nerdier. Um, let's rewind to Matt saying he cannot accept this as Godzilla. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get into this too much. It's just too damn nerdy. But uh, see, I think. Um, the only real th- characteristic of the classic Godzilla that this one doesn't have or the yeah the the only he he has most of those characteristics the only one that he that the original godzilla doesn't have is the burrowing but he's got his fiery breath um he he walks upright more often um you know he has a more nakajima like kind of movements um he fights monsters uh he can get hit with missiles and not die um and i don't know if you stand him upright and put that silhouette against the 1954 silhouette and then on the other end the godzilla 2000 silhouette i mean those are three pretty extreme variations um so i don't know i don't even know that i mean if you throw the silhouette up it's a giant reptile with big spines um so that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's close enough to, to Godzilla. You know, stuff like that is not always consistent with, with and, the way that the character is designed. And, you know, you put the 54 silhouette against the 2000 silhouette. I mean, if I was just a dumbass off the street, I would not think it's the same creature. And we can't fault the show for sort of keeping the look of the movie that it was allegedly a sequel to. Well, yeah, it has to. You know, yeah, I don't think faulting the show for that, like, say, I get what you're saying, but I think if you show, if you were to take somebody who hasn't seen the 98 film and say, hey, what do you think this is? I, I don't know that they're going to be like, oh, that's obviously Godzilla. And, and the thing is, like, I'll never feel any different about it. And I understand that, you know, that maybe for you guys is a non-starter. What the show does well are all the other things you've talked about, such as giving Godzilla the nuclear breath and making him invulnerable to conventional weapons and he fights monsters and he's not a pussy for one. Like, there's all those things that the movie gets wrong that the show does get right. And so, like, I'm not going to poo-poo the show because of the the design. But I will say for me, like, the design, there's a certain aesthetic that 
this design does not have. And for me, if you want to be so open-minded about it, you could say essentially any gigantic reptile that breathes fire is a Godzilla at that point. And like, that's again, for me that that's never going to work, but like, I'm not downing the show because of it, because when I watch the show, the quality is obviously there. And that to me for a viewing experience is far more important. And, it, and listen, this is better than a lot of other Godzilla things. Like there's a bunch of, <laughs> if you, if you line this up against say, many of the Heisei films, like this, this show is better made than a lot of those. Maybe, maybe most of them to be frank with you. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, but that's just kind of my approach. Like when I look at that design, it's still just, it doesn't do anything for me. Well, that's, I mean, whatever. We all have designs that don't do anything. I'm just, I'm just saying that Godzilla himself has gone, undergone so many design changes uh, you know, I mean, look, look at the seven. If I made a movie with two monster suits and one was a spitting image of the Megalon version and one was the spitting image of the 2000 version and said, hey, these are two different monsters, I, I think I could get away with it. That's, and then, you know, throw the Hanna-Barbera version or some crazy thing like <laughs> that in and you got all kinds of different stuff. That's all I'm Super saying. Godzilla. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Super Godzilla. God. I don't know. Kevin, do you at least understand? Are you at least picking up what I'm putting down? Uh, I am. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, when, you know, people are like, oh, I don't like the flying scene in Godzilla versus Hedera. And I'm like, you're on the wrong side of history, buddy. So, <laughs> hey, I count me. I don't I don't know that I'd want him to Godzilla to do it again, but I'm cool with it for that one. I think sometimes you look at stuff like that. Like if you look at the son of Godzilla suit, which is probably the worst Godzilla design besides the 98 for me, like I, I, it's a product of its time. And, and, and I get that. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with Hetera, where it was just like the crazy seventies and all the weird stuff that was happening. And obviously there's other factors with Hetera that, that allowed that to happen. But as bird said, there's certain things you wouldn't want to see now. And so I feel like, you wouldn't want to see a Godzilla 98 design now. I wouldn't want to see Godzilla fly again now. And if, and if you use that kind of as a criteria, like for me, like I, I'm just never going to want to look at this design and say, yeah, I'd love to see that again. Even in, in well, even I if mean, it was done in a film, like, sure. well, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that's true though. Godzilla, not just this movie, but all, like, I mean, they're all products of their time. And I mean, if you look at the kind of reinvention that Hollywood was doing with a lot of old properties, whether it was the mummy or, lost in space or or whatever you know uh everything was sleeker everything was smoother everything was you know you know it, the sports car version of whatever it was before and that's very much what the 98 godzilla is um so anyway uh that's whatever but um uh but it's a cartoon, so I think it's it's appropriate that we talk about you know the art style, animation style, the designs. Um, do you guys feel one way or another about any of that stuff? I mean, it's it, it all feels very well put together for the most part. It does. Uh, it has a very '90s feel. I mean, it's hard to even articulate what that might look like to someone who hasn't seen a lot of the '90s animation stuff. But like, it's got these very. It's got a very specific color palette that's. I think what the show does really well is because they change locations so often you get all these, you know, variants between going from the city to the jungle to being in underwater in the ocean. And it does a lot of that kind of stuff. And so it gives the animation, you know, a ton of time to, to shine. And there's some genuine 
just really great moments in the battle scenes and how Godzilla is animated and how their monsters are fighting that in other cartoons, even something like X-Men, I feel like the animation is fairly fluid. Like you don't have the best way I could describe it is sometimes when I watch a nineties cartoon, it feels like there's almost a gap in a frame or something and and it kind of jumps and you don't see a ton of that with this show. At least I don't. Um, so from that standpoint, I think it's just really well put together. Yeah, it's not as, like, Batman the Animated Series, like, is just beautiful. Yeah, you can't touch that show. It's, but, it's and, then I w- and then, like, you go back and look at X-Men or really any of the Marvel cartoons, and um, things are very, they're, they're very stiff in a way that if you haven't watched those shows in a long time, you might not remember. Um, I was kind of thrown off by it when I revisited those cartoons you know maybe 10 years or so ago whenever i did um and then in the middle i think you have godzilla um you know it's it's not batman the animated series but it's not as stiff and kind of geez i don't even know i i, I think part of that is the fact that they had they knew up front that they had 40 episodes to th- deliver and they were able to allocate their budget accordingly whereas x-men was a production nightmare yeah that's a good point. Plus, they changed studios in that last season. Which oh, yeah. Is, the, yeah. <laughs> the last season of X-Men <laughs> so is hilarious bad. because, like, people, like, barely even move. It's almost like watching, like, the old Funimation shows, like, He-Man or something, where, like, every like every three frames is, like, a recycled frame <laughs> from another, it, another yeah, scene. Yeah, and, and the color palette, like, just completely goes, like, the designs and the color palette just change and and if you're what's funny is because they released everything out of order for x-men 2 like i was watching and i remember specifically because x-men was my favorite anything of the 90s when i was a kid i would always tape it and I, when i watched i'm like this doesn't even look like the same show like what what is going on with it it was that as you know probably like an 11 year old or whatever it, it just it was it took me out of it almost yeah yeah no overall i think i think they did a good job i mean um yeah, I, I really don't have many complaints. I think overall the the execution was pretty good with what they had, um, and I, I think they had a good uh, crew. Um, well, actually, I'm I'm gonna jump. I I, I think favorite episodes and monsters and and monster designs. I think we'll we'll get to after this because this is more just kind of trivia based. Um, I, I, uh, in terms of the the animation and the look, one thing I just I feel like I got to say is it's got this muted color palette that is very in line with a lot of the, the Sony shows that were coming out oh, at yeah, that time, yeah. you know, especially Ghostbusters, like, especially, yeah, Men in Black, Black, especially, I think, uh, the big guy in Rusty, the boy robot. Uh, but one of the great things is, uh, it has this muted color palette, but when Godzilla uses his power breath, it's bright green and it really contrasts. And with that darker, you know, look of the cells behind it, it, it pops like that flash so beautiful <laughs> yeah i remember some people like oh well his breath is green it's supposed to be blue and then the next toho movie it was orange <laughs> and everyone was like oh uh, that's cool come on well you know the whole gills thing from 2014 to <laughs> Shingo, but don't even get me started <laughs> uh um but yeah, I, I we'll we'll get into favorite this and that uh in a, in a moment but uh i want to just we we've said you know, they wrangled up a lot of impressive um, talent. Uh, and so I want to go through some of the um, the guest uh, uh, voices that you have. And a lot of people that you might not have expected. Um, 
uh, Robert Forrester, um, Oscar nominee, um, Alligator, Jackie Brown, uh, the Twin Peaks, uh, the Return. Um, brilliant actor. Uh, he was Elsie's dad in the episode Wedding Bells Blue. Um, I'm, I might be jumping ahead, but that's actually one of my personal favorites. Um, Linda Blair, uh, little Reagan from the exorcist. And I mean, Linda Blair has been in a million other things, but, um, but she was the monster rights activist, Alexandra Springer in scale, which is another one of my favorite episodes. Um, Ron Perlman was the alien leader in Leviathan. Uh, Roddy McDowell, the great Roddy McDowell um, of Planet of the Apes fame and Fright Night and just countless other awesome things. Uh, as Dr. Hugh Trevor in Deadlock, the Loch Ness Monster episode. Um, Ronnie Cox of Deliverance, Robocop. Jeez, uh, uh, almost any movie from the 80s. You've seen him a million times. Uh, as Dale in the uh, Cat and Mouse and Lizard Season episodes. Um, Tate Donovan as Lawrence Cohen. Uh, we'll get back to him in a little bit. In um, Bird of Paradise, Michael Chiklis of The Shield and uh, The Thing in some really bad Fantastic Four movies was the <laughs> Colonel and Where is Thy Sting? The great Clancy Brown as Maximilian Spiel in Protector and Clash of the Titans. Um, and finally, uh, and this was uh, Kevin uh, pointed this out because he is he knows Japan stuff. Uh, but Kenyu Huriyochi voiced Nick in the Japanese dub, and uh, for us kaiju fans, uh, he voiced Ultraman Zafi in the Ultraman story movie, and he was also Umberto Mori, whoever that is, um, in <laughs> the recent Godzilla Planet of the Monsters anime. Yeah, um, the bearded dude uh, on the ship. I'll Unfortunately, take... it still means nothing to me because I, I, <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I don't know if I remember him or not. <laughs> no. but, uh... he, he was Gren in, in Cowboy Bebop. So. Oh, okay, okay th- thank you. That, that's, that's, that helps me very much. <laughs> uh, he also Cowboy regularly Bebop. voiced uh, Brad Pitt and Charlie Sheen in J- Japanese dubs as well. Um, so, I, Matt... I, I, I think it was very nice of you uh, to mention Robert Forster without mentioning Dragon Wars, but I'm not that nice. Oh, come on, man. I, 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 <laughs> that, that I is... wasn't even thinking about Dragon Wars. You, you had to go and ruin this poor man's uh, <laughs> resume here. <laughs> um, all right, so Matt, uh, why don't you take... So that's, our, that's, that's some voice talent, all of which are... I, like A lot of people might think a lot of those people are too amazing for a Godzilla cartoon, but... Um, you know, I, from what I understand, a lot of these guys really like doing guest spots on things like this and think it's a lot of fun. So now, Matt, uh, why don't you take us into the production end of awesome talent? So artist and director Dave Hartman, uh, he's well known for the the fifth Phantasm film, Phantasm Ravager, which I uh, I hear... Bird, do you like do you like that particular one? The, the Ravager, uh, yeah. yeah. I, well, with Ravager, I think it's a great conclusion to that franchise. Uh, the thing you have to remember when you watch it is that it was originally intended to be a web miniseries. So yeah, I was gonna say it's made for like pennies, right? That was yeah, it's literally thing. like as low budget as it gets. Uh, so the fact that it 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 did turn out as good and actually served as a good conclusion um, is pretty impressive. So uh, Dave Hartman, um, uh, props props for Phantasm and Godzilla. 
uh, we have Sam Liu, who's basically, I mean, he's directed some of the anime, animated films from DC, uh, Killing Joke and All-Star Superman. Keith Aiken, who we mentioned earlier, co-founder of Sci-Fi Japan, but he was basically the storyboard artist and advisor, and he filled in as an assistant director when the other directors who basically had to move on to other projects, he would he would take over and fill in for them. Yeah, and um, Keith, uh, he also did some stuff on the Dark Horse Godzilla comics and helped produce the BBC Godzilla documentary and was involved in the classic media stuff. Uh, but yeah, good old Keith. I guess, uh, I mean, technically my former boss over at Sci-Fi Japan because I, I did write for them for a little, for a, a couple years. Um, Keith's a good guy, but... Uh, yeah, um, I know that he's he's pretty proud of this series, and I, I think that, you know, he, he has every right to be. So we have Lynn, is it Lynn Wayne? Lynn Wayne? I, I don't know how to say this. I Lynn Wayne. Wayne. Listen, listen, creative Wolverine. I mean, what else do you say about the guy, right? Um, he obviously cre- co-creator Swamp Thing. He wrote What Dreams May Come. Storm I mean, and I, Nightcrawler, too. Yeah, I mean, he's done so many awesome things within... Uh, I, I, look, Wolverine for me is, is kind of what captures my heart about that. Yeah. But and, we and, have and Mark. He uh, he just passed away last year. Or was it this year? But I thought it was. It was, it was, was recently. Yeah. We, we we need Trev to help us out with that. Yeah, we, we yeah, that's where Trev comes <laughs> in. Uh, Marv Wolfman, creator of Blade, New Teen Titans. Uh, he wrote Hive. Um, William Stout, who obviously for Godzilla fans, he was part of the unmade 80s 3D Hollywood Godzilla film that never came to fruition, but he wrote Where Is I Sting? He's also known for just his incredible dinosaur art and com- uh, concept art for like the Conan films, uh, Returning the Living Dead, which honestly is one of my favorite things ever. Um, Scott uh, Lobdell, who wrote Scale, which, uh, Bird, you talked about this, but that's one of my favorite episodes from this show, worked on X-Men, Daredevil. Um, he also wrote the uh, recent film, or he was part of the recent film, Happy Death Day, which I have not seen. Yeah. He wrote Happy Death Day. I think it was his first screenplay, but, um, but yeah. Um, interesting thing the, about Scale was it was uh, the first time that was shown to the public was at G-Fest 99. That actually seems like it'd be an awesome thing to experience at G-Fest, because that episode's awesome. That's one of the best ones, yeah. Was that the same, was, was Gamera 3 premiering at g-fest 99 also uh yeah and i yeah that 99 had a whole bunch of that I, that one had a whole bunch of stuff going on but yeah i think gamma 3 was was part of that yeah i think that's when you also was there too and was like uh <laughs> <laughs> there must be more to that story that i don't know but i would have loved to have met you also, I, I do like show camera stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, from what I understand, he he was in the audience and was visibly not 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 a, not a fan. Not, huh? not, not <laughs> too into <laughs> not not too into camera three. Um, uh, okay. Well, I guess I don't know. Let's let's go let's go back and let's get into favorites. Now that we we did our we we did our obligatory lists, um, of which we have another one, but um, you know. We'll take a break from lists for now. Um, so around the room, uh, I mean, if you guys could pick, you know, a, a handful of your very favorite episodes, um, let's hear it. Uh, Start with Kevin. I feel like Kevin's been too silent. Well, that, that's because you know I've been. Uh, I, I I could go on a on a a tirade. I mean, we're we're uh, all about tangents on this podcast. If you, I mean, that's that's what we do. Yeah, so go for it. That's fine. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, I mean, when it comes to absolute favorites, it's just 
it has to be the the Monster Wars three part trilogy, which is basically the the show doing its own take on Destroy All Monsters, which is great because it, Destroy All Monsters takes place in 1999. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's very much like a culmination of everything that has happened in the series thus far, and that it's. You know, we we had these aliens introduced and these various monsters that had been introduced throughout the, you know, 13 episodes leading up to that point. And then uh, all of the characters are brought together. Their inner relationships are tested because of alien mind control. And uh, we get the the original Godzilla brought back as a cyborg. Yes. Which Which is their, their version of Mechagodzilla. Right, and then apparently somebody at Toho might have been watching for that because we get the uh, the Kiryu movies a couple years later. Yeah, very true, and uh, that's also where this show uh, introduces its version of Monster Island, which yeah, right. is, it's called Monster Island. So um, yeah, no, Monster Wars is a lot of fun. Um, you, have, you have any of the st- that's three episodes, so I'll allow you to count it as one. Are there any other <laughs> uh, like standalones that that stick out to you? Oh, uh, you know, all sorts of them. Uh, just just to, to narrow down a, a couple of other great ones. Um, what Dreams May Come is fantastic. Competition is great. And scale. Yep. Yep. Uh, competition is the one that takes place in Japan. And there's a lot of Easter eggs in there that we'll, we'll get into. And yeah, scale is a found footage mo- uh, episode that... I think it probably hit around the same time that Blair Witch Project did, but even then, it it did a lot of stuff with the found footage concept that you didn't see in, until stuff like Paranormal Activity and stuff. So that episode's a little bit uh, ahead of its time. Um, oh, I, I also have to say Future Shock. So. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, Future Shock's good. Um, that's uh, where they somehow find themselves in the future, and there's a badass like bodybuilder version of Mendel Craven who's... It, it plunged into it's basically like rain of fire where the earth's taken over by these creatures called dragmas and uh a little grim too like you meet animal's son and he's like yeah my dad got killed and in, in the field and you're like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> hicks has like a robot arm yeah yeah <laughs> uh okay matt um favorite episodes go I mean, I, I kind of echo a lot of what, what Kev's already said. I mean, competition's awesome. Scale's probably my all-time favorite. You have Trust No One, which is the whole... It, it's That is the one with the homage to the thing and, and this creature that's, that's DNA and amalgamates and changes throughout the entire episode. It even begins with a, a dog being the one that like spreads it or whatever. Cur- and, and there's also... I, I like Juggernaut, um, Future Shock. I mean, the, 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 all those are great. I think my all-time favorite is Scale. And one of the things... I, there's two things I like about scale. One is Skeetera, which is obviously King Ghidorah. It, it's just playing an homage to the name, but they set up that monster as being kind of the biggest bad and is going around beating up other monsters and is clearly the main villain. So it's kind of like the arch rival for Godzilla. That's just kind of a cool idea. Um, that episode is incredible. Yeah, and he's I also just, like he's just going around Monster Island and it's a big mosquito. Sucking them all dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just. <laughs> kicking ass and taking absor- absorbing powers of each monster as it's as it's sucking their blood 
yeah, yeah. It, it's great. And um, and Future Shock, I think, is probably my second favorite. I, the the idea of the, the time travel slash alternate dimension thing, it's just, it's really well done. And it's brief enough to where, like, they get you from point A to point B. But it, it leaves impact because you see the effect that it has from them seeing this, like, dystopian future and, and all this apocalyptic stuff that happened to their city. And so I, I really, those are probably my two favorite episodes. And I, I like anything with, you know, the Monster War. That's obviously a ton of fun. With scale, like, the way they frame the shots, too, is very, like, the way that the, everything is animated and the way that the, the camera, you know, is, is using that. For a cartoon, like, I, I, I cannot think of anything else that's ever really done that, to be frank. Well, Maybe also, wrong, and, and the I reason I said it was before its time, I mean, you had Cannibal Holocaust, and then a huge gap, and then it was Blair Witch, and, you know, I think that Blair Witch is probably the obvious thing that this was kind of riffing on, but um, what it did that a lot of found footage movies would do later, you know, in the paranormal activity and beyond era of found footage, is that it combined different cameras. So you had Animals Camera as, you know, your first person on the ground camera, and then the other cameras are different um, security cameras from around Monster Island. So you're, 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 it's a combination of, you know, switching from camera to camera, and what you're watching is actually a documentary that Audrey has put together, and she's going to air. Um, you know, they decide, you know, it's best left unseen, and she burns it at the end, but um, but those are a lot of techniques that, uh, you know, and, and I mean, I'm sure it's just purely coincidental. I don't think Oren Pelly or, you know, any of the guys at Blumhouse are, were watching Godzilla cartoons and said, oh, let's make a ghost movie like this. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, they, they really kind of thought of it before, you know, you had that. And that's something even George Romero did with, with Diary of the Dead was combining, you know, security footage with, you know, first person camera footage and it's a really interesting approach to found footage that, that that episode did, you know, good 10 years before, you know, it, it became more common. Um, I think the other interesting thing about it is the way that because you're seeing it basically from the human point of view, you're looking up at the monsters. And for the cartoon, it, it just gives you a different vantage point to yeah. see them fighting and the, stuff. And the cartoon I, I really in general is really good with that. I, I think the cartoon, maybe even more than most of the movies, keeps things at ground level. Um, but yeah, really in that episode and, and that the episode is just another great premise that you, you would think, you know, someone at Toho or something might have, would have thought of by then. But, um, you know, the, it, it's about an animal rights group who's basically, they're all for monster rights and they think that humans are exploiting them and they, they don't belong in captivity on monster Island and they're the true, um, you know, uh, uh, creatures that, are you know mother nature's you know to inherit the earth and um fuck uh, humans man that that's what i learned from <laughs> and, that and yeah i mean it's something like i mean uh like there's that little segment in shin godzilla where you see these like weird cultists yeah they're worshiping godzilla's like and, god and, or you know and this is kind of idea. like that taken to an extreme and uh you know the this is an episode that kind of really takes advantage of that premise which is a really cool idea for a kaiju story um yeah like linda linda blair's character kidnaps audrey and like the entire time just assumes that she's on her side <laughs> all of this <laughs> like thank thank you miss timmons for reporting on this and she's like i gotta get out of here there's monsters <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, I i really like that one so i'm i'm with you on the scale love um now for me uh 
Monster Wars is a lot of fun, but um, that's such a like go-to answer, I feel like, for this series. But um, uh, <laughs> I mentioned earlier, I, I really like Wedding Bells Blue, which is the one where Elsie has to go to her sister's wedding, and you have Robert Forrester as the, the dad who... Uh, and I, 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 I don't know exactly why I watched, I've watched that episode so much, I, but I, I really like, I honestly think it's like the funniest one. Like I, I, that is a good episode. I was like, I, I, I'm legitimately surprised at how, like I laugh at that episode more as an adult now than I did (laughs) when I saw it as a kid. Like, I just think the, the com the comedic writing in that one is really strong. Like, you know, she intentionally brings him to the wedding. So because uh, she doesn't want yeah. her parents to like be pressuring her into you know oh you gotta get married like your sister and it turns out for whatever reason her dad <laughs> just like loves yeah. randy and i i just found that <laughs> hilarious like the 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 like poor hygiene uh sloppy like slacker kid and and she's like oh man they're they're never gonna pressure me uh if i bring this loser and then he's like goes and starts talking to his, her dad about classic jazz and your mom's like boy he's a real catch. yeah he's like i got this bootleg of charlie parker from like and robert forrester is like oh i love him i i was at that show and they're like best friends i just think that i just thought that was hilarious um and then uh that there's a giant manta ray and i i really like uh marine uh creatures um and that you know i i thought that was a really cool idea that this giant uh manta ray has lost its way and it just wants to find a cold environment so it's hanging out in penguin houses and hockey rinks and stuff um i really like that episode obviously scale which we we just gushed about for like 10 minutes um there's uh uh the one um this kind of like fantastic voyage um where they they have to go inside godzilla uh, i like that one that's a good yeah that's a good one too um uh yeah i i mean you and then some of the ones you guys said competition and the one in japan that that one's great um i really like uh it's called end of the line that is that's the one with komodo thrax which is godzilla's mate and uh godzilla gets busy but they also have a, a giant turtle um there's a lot of just a lot of monster action in that one um uh yeah, I mean, the, those are, yeah, I mean, and then a lot of the ones you guys said are, are really some of the standouts. Um, another one that, I don't know, maybe doesn't get talked about a lot is Tourist Trap. That's the one where there's a giant fish, like a giant deep uh, water fish that's kind of terrorizing the coast. And the whole time they have this annoying guy who's like trying to bring tourists to see the monsters and like they have to deal with that. And that I, I think that episode is really amusing. Um I like lizard season a, a decent amount, like with the the hunters and the and the robots, and they're basically just it, it's it's there's a lot of like southern stereotypes, yeah. but they're kind of funny. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, those characters and, and are actually Cameron Winters being del- delightful, also. <laughs> oh yeah, I like Cameron Winter as the you know he's kind of the recurring villain, and it's kind of like uh I guess an evil like Steve Jobs type. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Steve Jobs. <laughs> I mean, that's apt, but it's just hilarious. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, that, that's that's what he is. Um, uh, those uh, hunter characters are homages to King of the Hill, actually. That's why they're named Dale, Bill, and Hank. 
there is there's some overlap between the production staff of this show and King of the Hill, so that doesn't surprise makes sense. Why did none of them say "damn it, Bobby"? Like, why does that not happen? <laughs> uh, what dreams may come with the Crackler, the Nightmare Monster, who was kind of like uh, that's actually that's a, a concept. Yeah, that's that, a really good episode. Yeah, I, I totally it, base that one. Yeah, it's it's got some similarities to Nightmare on Elm Street uh, with how that that monster is. He's you know he, he's conjured up in your dreams and comes into the the real world. Uh, There's I like an the, Ultraman episode that actually does that too. Yeah. I like the Nessie uh, one, Deadlock, um, which kind of, it, it borrows from, you know, Gorgo and, and Gappa a little bit, but um, I like that one uh, with Roddy McDowell. Um, His last performance. Yeah, final performance before he passed away. Um, and also, uh, Clive Revel, who was the voice of Alfred in the Batman cartoon, was also a voice in that episode. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of really strong episodes in here. Are there any that you guys think are kind of weaker or just kind of like, bleh? I remember watching a couple that I thought were okay, but like they they weren't so bad that they stuck out for me to be like, oh, I hated that episode, you know? Yeah, they, they were none, just kind of by the that number. I hate. There's some that are just kind of like, you know, unremarkable yeah. Monster of the Week episode, like... Uh, the one with the I giant mean, hummingbird, and they have to give him big goggles. That one, I'm not. I'm yeah, not too that, big that would on be that. one that probably comes to mind. Yeah, and then there's some that are just kind of like, oh, generic monster of the week show. But um, for the most part, oh, they it's, did a it's good termites. Job. Oh, whatever. Yeah, the termites <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. Now, do you guys have any favorite uh, monsters or monster designs or anything? I mean, the, the techno sentient, which is the 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 thing it kind of looks like Acura too like the the whole like crazy it just keeps shape shifting and basically pulling in all this different stuff it it's pretty neat yeah i, I that's a clear callback to uh, akira there's also the the trash creature that is you know a little bit more like a nanotech version of hetera um yeah that one's pretty cool mhm um I like the Crackler. Um, I like the, the, the version of Quetzalcoatl that uh, they had. Um, the Albino Yeti, uh, I think, is one of my favorites. Um, I like the uh, Norzug or whatever, the Sphinx. The Sphinx one, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Absorbs all the oil. I um, mean, obviously, I think uh, we all like Cyber Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. King Cobra's awesome. The Mechani Kong or, you know, Robo Yeti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, I'm a fan of the chameleon. Yeah, I like that. I like that one too. The one that um, uh, that episode also has like every now and then they'll do some like kind of funny callbacks to the '98 movie. Is that the one where they're repairing the Chrysler building and then like they drop the <laughs> the top of the tower and it breaks again, or is that a different one? I thought that was in the episode with the giant rats, but I might. I mean, be it wrong might be. It might be. <laughs> Um, I, like, I kind of uh, like uh, Bacillus, the the bacteria thing that just like mm-hmm. it it's got crazy looking mouth thing. It, it's it's pretty neat. I think um, the, the series' most iconic monster is probably the first one, the Crustaceous Rex. Yeah, and he, he just shows up in so many episodes. Yeah, it does, and, that is a good that is a good design. Yeah, and uh, he has kind of a almost Cloverfield ish um, kind of silhouette and kind of you know how how is legs and kind of like the little arms are 
I uh, I digged Schuster. The, 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 <laughs> I just I do. There's like some stupid charm to it, but I, I definitely dig it. I like I think the that was a, like a, an Ultraman reference. The Schuster. Yeah. Uh yeah, actually, well, I know with Ultraman uh, Jonius or whatever the, the anime, there's an episode that basically does the same thing where there's a, a tornado monster, and that's what the Schuster is. I was I was thinking of uh, Ultraman Great, but it might be you know <laughs> going back further than that. Yeah, there's there's an episode where it, it's it's essentially the same premise. They Godzilla can't get to the monster, and, and same thing with Ultraman. Um. Uh, oh, I like the monster that like it's like a it's like a it's not that big, but it's a flying bug thing. But like around it is just a bunch of fire. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that I one. I think it's literally just fire monster. I think that's what it's called. In this. <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah. What the, yeah um, there, there's a lot of them where it's like some special challenge to beat it and not just like a, a pure like brute strength thing. They have to, you know, lure it away from X or... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the fact that, too, like the monsters aren't all like the same size. They're, they're kind of all over the place. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, another episode that's actually one of my favorites that I didn't mention when we were talking about episodes has one of my favorite monsters in the series, and that's the... El Gusano, which is the giant uh, like grub. Yeah, that's another one of the. That's a good episode, and I think that might be like that's that one's huge as far if you're talking about like how big the monsters. Yeah, because I think it just keeps getting bigger. If I remember correctly, there's a couple monsters that like just get gigantic. I love that it's blue and like covered with eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Like all of the designs, they they were definitely conscientiously going like okay, what could we not have done in Suitmation? Let's do that. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think they're really good with that, too. Um, but yeah, so a, a lot of cool monsters. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, before we wrap things up, um, Matt, what do you, as my esteemed co-host, what do you think? Should we do homages or unused ideas first? I think the unused ideas is going to be better. So let's, let's end on that note. I'll, I'll, I'll do the homages real quick. Um, All right. monster, so, so monsters in the opening credits are named Gus, the spider, new guy, and Manda, the worm. I think there's a Megalon somewhere. And, uh, I read some concept art even had a robot that was, had the a working name of Mogera. Yeah, I, I think it was it was flying Gigan in the in the opening credits, and then the other monster was was Megalon in, yeah. in the opening. Yeah, so we we have a character named uh, Lawrence Cohen, which is uh, actually named after Larry Cohen, the director of Q the Winged Serpent. Yeah, and that that was in the Katsukado episode, which is about uh, you know Q the Winged Serpent is also about uh, Katsukado. Uh, Albino Yeti is homage to Mechani Kong, which is uh, was very obvious. The creator of the monster actually um, is Yukiko Ifukabe, obviously a reference to Akira Ifukabe. Monster War, which we talked about, is obviously referencing Destroy All Monsters. Um, complete with, we have Monster Island, which again is referenced many other times later on in the series. Cyber Godzilla, obviously being referenced to Mecha Godzilla. Um, what a long, the episode, what a long, strange trip it's been is an homage to the fantastic voyage. Um, juggernaut we talked about earlier, which is referencing Akira, uh, trust no one, which is talking about or referencing the thing. And then we have, uh, the lizard slayers, which is an homage to the spider slayers of Spider-Man. Um, 
the giant cicada in Metamorphosis is clearly a callback to Mothra. So there's a ton of stuff sprinkled throughout the series. And I mean, for anybody who's a fan of Godzilla, like there's just so much stuff for you for you to like sit back and, and chew on and, and, and just enjoy, honestly. Uh, yeah, no, there there really is. And I, I'm sure there's even more that we could probably dig up uh, if we wanted to be here all day. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that the, the a lot of the people that made the show were, you know, they they, they knew their their Godzilla. And, um, you know, I, I really do think that shows. Um, that, that that scene in the uh, in, in competition where the little kid looks out the window, I've seen it posted all over online. <laughs> it's <laughs> looking down, like, oh, mommy, there's there's Gojira. Oh, don't be silly. What would Gojira be doing in Japan? Yeah, that's that's become like a meme in some of the Godzilla Facebook groups. Yeah, Kevin, why why don't you talk about some of the uh, unused concepts? Yeah, so I mean there are a lot of uh, different things that were bandied about. And I think uh, just like when reading through John LeMay's book, you'll read some of these and be like, Oh, maybe it's a good thing that that didn't happen. Uh, so there were plans for a lot of sort of more communication between the, the heat team and Godzilla. At one point they wanted to have them like ride around on his back and steer him. Uh, and they, they actually incorporated a, a piece of that. They took the, the goggles that Godzilla was going to wear, uh, and they put those in the in the episode vision where there's the hummingbird that moves at a certain frequency such that it's invisible unless he's wearing special goggles. <laughs> Can you imagine, I, would, I don't know if I would like a Godzilla show where Godzilla needs to be steered <laughs> with giant I think goggles. It, yeah, I, that's I, a terrible idea. <laughs> I think it would have gone right up there with the King Kong show where the kid fuses his brain with king kongs and then they can they can merge bodies oh yeah that's the the fake king kong cartoon from like the, around the same time yeah uh it's it's not the worst idea that they had the because the worst idea of course came from haim saban who is all about <laughs> ruining things based on japanese properties <laughs> Man, he's, he's, he is just trolling power rangers right now <laughs> well get, get a load of his idea for godzilla no you know. no this is one of the worst ideas ever please please share <laughs> yeah he, he wanted to, to put the uh here lizard 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 uh taco bell dog in the uh the, the chihuahua from the, all of those commercials he wanted to put that in the show and that would have ruined it but how uh, how would you even with oh the tone God. of with the tone of the show that we have, it would not it would not be the same show if you incorporated that. Uh, yeah, hundred percent agree. That's uh, <laughs> what a terrible idea. <laughs> he wanted that Taco Bell money. Uh, yeah. Um, a, a slight change is that uh, Ian Ziering wasn't originally going to be Nick Totopoulos. He was actually going to be Cameron Winter. You know, the evil uh, evil multimillionaire dude, but. Uh, the original actor who was going to play t- Nick, um, Jason Priestley, he recorded like five episodes, but uh, he wasn't able to keep up to the commitment. So we, you know, left and then uh, Zering took over. Uh, so I wonder if there's like alternate recordings of those first. Yeah, five I'm sure they're. Fl- right there. Yeah, they're probably rotting away in a, a Sony vault. But yeah, I'm sure it's out there. It's, it's like uh, the Eric Stoltz uh, <laughs> Back to the Future thing. Who knows if we'll is, ever see it? Is it weird they had two guys that were from Ni- Beverly Hills 90210 like as the main character? They just basically swapped them out. 
Well, I think Cameron Winter is supposed to be a foil for Nick, so it makes sense that they would both be, um, you know, similar types of dudes. I guess I, I haven't watched Beverly Hills 90210, so I don't actually know anything about what, what I'm saying. But uh, the, the the fact that you get the guy that was playing one role and you swap him out to play another one sort of makes sense. And maybe if those two actors were foils on the show or knew each other or had a good repertoire or something like that, it would make sense to cast both of them. It was like when the Asylum cast Tiffany and Debbie Gibson in Megapython versus Gatoroid. I'm sure that was the reference everybody was going to go for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I probably just added that to my list, by the way. Watch. <laughs> we're talking. Uh, you you mentioned how much you liked the uh, the giant manta in uh, Wedding Bells Blue, but that was actually going to be a, a giant bird at one point. But I guess they were like, uh, "We've done so many giant birds, let's do something else." Yeah, so, yeah, I'm I'm happy with the change. And then the 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 biggest tragedy regarding the unused stuff with the series is the Trainmasters toy line, which uh, the the '98 movie basically bankrupted trend masters they those toys did not sell and they had this whole line made up for godzilla the series some of them looked great you know the the godzilla himself the cyber godzilla they had the quetzalcoatl they had um like crustaceous rex yeah, yeah. yeah um they had nick and randy with like bazookas or something like they don't ever use <laughs> every human character like around that time did that like i remember the original jurassic park toys like i had nedry who a why why and b <laughs> like he came with like machine guns or something <laughs> yeah uh i mean that was if you look at the 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 g-force figures that they they made for trend master oh, stuff yeah. those ridiculous like, things the, the, yeah not not based on anything <laughs> yeah those were it should be mentioned too that when that happened, it also took Gamera down with them because they had Gamera figures as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they done every almost yeah. every Gamera monster. They didn't do Bargon, but yeah. they were they were they were okay on the Gamera farm. Yeah. But, and uh, it also took down uh, in very limited run. They did um, Baragon, Varan, and uh, Megalon, which I actually have. Um, nice. Uh, and. Um, yeah, they're at my mom's in some box somewhere, but I have them. Uh, and then um, there was the Doom Island line, which was going to come after the Godzilla Wars line. So they they were going to do the these concurrent with that line, and they both got killed, basically. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's interesting. A lot of people are like, oh, well, the Godzilla 98 movie bombed. And box office intake was actually pretty decent. It actually made more than the 2014 movie. Um, but... The thing that killed it and made it a bomb wasn't... It was one of the rare cases where it wasn't the box office that sunk it. It was actually just the amount of money they spent on merchandise and uh, toys and tie-ins and all that stuff. Like, I mean, it was a, probably a, around the same amount of money as the production budget. And it was just... There was no way they could recoup it. And then when everyone saw the movie, no one was buying the toys... Uh, the toys, you know, they weren't selling Godzilla himself until after the movie had come out. So by then, you know, kids didn't want Godzilla because the movie yeah. wasn't very good. And it's a bad idea to keep the design under wraps and, and then try to sell toys. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, shortly after that, you know, that just played a, a a really really 
big part in Trendmasters going under. You know, I mean, the, the the that merch line did not make a profit. You know, and it was it was huge, and you know, it just didn't work out. So sad. Hey, they made a uh, Robo Yeti prototype, by the way, which is pretty awesome. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. There's a bunch of neat little prototypes that never like saw the light of day, but you can. There's actually a Facebook group that actually is is dedicated to Trend Masters prototypes, and and one of the things they have on there is the the Robo Yeti. It looks awesome, actually. Yeah, I I would have been there to, to buy all of them <laughs> as soon as they're my, available. My son but... asks me every episode, "Hey, I want to. Can you can you get that monster for me?" I'm like, um, "I'm sorry, dude. There's." They, they didn't make them, basically. <laughs> yeah, and, and to get the prototype, you'd probably have to murder somebody. Yeah, you gotta Cause, drop. Because uh, I, I, think, I think most of those have fallen into the you know the hands of private collections, and uh, they're very treasured items. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd have to pry them from someone's cold, dead hands. That is very accurate. I wonder how all the design rights stuff goes down, if that is all with Toho right now. I'm I'm just thinking, you know, if we you know start a change.org petition to get Bondi <laughs> Creations to make a Crustaceous Rex or something. Well, I, I <laughs> think I th- it must be like kind of shared because I know like um, the Bandai le- uh, uh, legendary figure and the Muto, um, like uh, the the little stamp on the bottom says legendary pictures, and I know. Um, mm. I think I I don't want to misspeak, so I'm putting this out there as a, a a vague memory. But I think someone asked Matt Frank why didn't you do the the cartoon version in Rulers of Earth, and he said um, something about it had to go through Sony. Um, so I I think you know I, I think that they probably share some kind of ownership over over all this stuff. I I would believe that, which is. It's unfortunate that a there doesn't seem to be the the interest to move something like that forward. But you know, b there's the 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 rights that's an extra barrier to doing anything with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I I I think we can um, close by saying that this is a, a really good show, and um, if, if Matt of all people can, you know, give it us another look and, you know, find what's good about it, that it, it actually is a strong, just a strong kaiju cartoon, um, that does a lot of things really well. Um, you know, I, I think, um, uh, I, I think anyone can, you know, and I, I think if, if the hang up is, Oh, it's the nine, 90 sequel to 98. I mean, that's true. But uh, I, I think you need to let that go and really, really check it out because um, it just seems like the f- the fandom has is kind of um, seems like really the only only like the true hardcore Godzilla geeks are really you know have stuck to this show and I think that if more people gave it a shot, um, I think they'd be pleasantly surprised. And if my grumpy ass in my adulthood can look back at it <laughs> and assume the worst you know and be pleasantly surprised and maybe even like it more than i did when i was younger which is like the last reaction i was expecting to have when i revisited this show i you know i i think that shows that there's a lot of strong stuff there and um you know i think if if you can get that 98 hang up off i think you'll be surprised bird do you want to rate this show because i mean we haven't 
done okay, that yet. Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, how many? Um, geez, you could do a whole. There's a whole bunch of <laughs> rating scales you can do. Uh, Matt, what's the wittiest one you can come up with? Dude, I, I am. I got right now. I got nothing at the moment. <laughs> I'm fried. Uh, how many? Um... <laughs> this is where Kevin is supposed to swoop in and like save us from floundering. Come yeah, on, what, man. What, what can the we obvious answer answer is how many Nigel? <laughs> there we go. There it is. Yeah. Uh, um... I want to mention real quick that is my son. Every time Nigel dies, we both are like Nigel. No, and I I love the fact that he does it. <laughs> it brings me joy to see my son say the same oh, thing from his jokes. It's adorable. a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Okay, how many? How many? Uh, how many would would you do, Matt? So, I'm not going to be a curmudgeon and dock the show because of the design. I'm just going to give it a five because I feel like this show is probably one of the most consistently good cartoons that I've ever watched. And I would say for me, my personal favorite is, is X Men, but this is a better show than X Men overall. If you look at just the consistency of the story. And, and the things that the, the show was trying to do, it would be second all time to probably like Batman, the animated series, in terms of just the shows that I watched and grew up with in the 90s. Honestly, I mean, just based on what it is, what its goals were, and its intended audience, and how well it ho- holds up for me as an adult, you know, it's not perfect. Um, you know, there's some episodes that are just kind of like, okay, Monster of the Week, yay. But, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to just go ahead and I'm going to go right there with you and say it's a five. I think it's one of the better Godzilla things to come out of the 90s. And um, it might be the most underrated and undervalued part of the entire franchise. And, um, yeah, I, I just think it's just for what it is, it, it exceeds its goals more than it fails them and um it's just incredibly entertaining and yeah i mean if you have young kids at home i i think it's a perfect thing to to sit down and, and do together there is more it guys is ten dollars on amazon I mean, yeah for the love of god go this thing is it. like six to ten dollars <laughs> usually and i mean for that much it's worth trying even if you don't like it that's super cheap for 40 episodes um and the people that made it uh i think really gave a damn and they really cared about Godzilla and they cared about the franchise and they cared about, you know, doing what a Godzilla show should do. And more often than not, that's what they did. Um, so I would, yeah, I'm going to throw a five out there. It's crazy talk. I know. But um, Kevin, what, what do you say? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it depends on where you're coming from. If you're like whole history of, of animation, is it, is it better than spectacular Spider-Man or gravity falls or, uh, scooby-doo mystery incorporated like maybe not but if you're a godzilla fan and especially if you're a godzilla fan that remembers animation from the 90s uh i'd I'd have to go five also uh and it's yeah i'm just gonna echo everything that, that you guys said if you like godzilla and haven't checked it out because it's you know not you're assuming that it's it's going to be just like the 98 film like no it's it has the tropes that you like it has the big monster fights it has the fire breath it has the godzilla that wins monster fights but it also has a really good human cast and 
in, intriguing characters that you're going to remember after you watch it. And how many Godzilla movies can you say that about? I mean, well, if you're like us, maybe you can remember all the human characters, yeah, but, but very few out of the nineties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've I've probably watched the show more times through than I have many of the Godzilla films, actually. <laughs> it's funny when you do see the 98 Apologists, and they're like, man, it's too bad we never got a sequel. It's like, this show is way better than whatever sequel Emmerich would have given us. Especially now in a post-legendary world where, you know, U.S. versions of Godzilla are kind of, you know, normal Godzilla, and the 98 movie doesn't seem like it's such a big deal anymore it doesn't sting as much it's like in hindsight uh you know it, it was probably worth it to get this show it's just that you know the a lot of people didn't watch it or haven't so, watched so people wanted queen bitch and godzilla 2 as opposed to like this glorious tv show get out of here with that <laughs> nonsense if yeah. they had made godzilla 2 and they got renewed for another season of the of the series because of that how much would they have tried to alter the series to make it fit into the the, the square peg and yeah. round hole of the, yeah because they weren't gonna they, yeah because it's not like they're gonna it would be two dueling continuities with the same care like some of the the same Godzilla and characters and no I mean I I mean this this is the the true sequel and it's you know it's better than the movie and you know someone could just not watch the movie and watch this and be fine and that's probably the, what people should do what, what one thing I would I just want to say is that this series goes out of its way to correct all of the errors the movie ha- the movie has <laughs> it really does it's, it's i mean it, it does and and i think that if you can go in with that kind of mindset understanding that the people that made it actually cared about the, the franchise then you can see the love that they put into the show and all the stuff and all the callbacks and all the t- i mean the, the amount of talent that's part of the show was incredible. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, it, it, it was pretty difficult because they had to be, they wanted to be true to the Japanese version, but they also had to be true to the 98 version, and I think they really found the, the right way to, to do both. Agree. It's a damn good show, and, um, you know, I, I hope that anyone listening um, who hasn't checked it out will, you know, maybe give it a chance, um, especially if you're into cartoons, you know. If you're one of those people that's like, oh, I just like Godzilla because of the tokusatsu effects and I'm not into animation or anything, like, okay, sure. But, you know, if, if I, I think it's worth checking out for most people. All right, well, I, I guess we can we can head out. Kevin, thank you uh, for joining us. I knew I had to get you on this. But... Absolutely. Glad to celebrate 20 years, two weeks, and two days of the... <laughs> God, why are you making me feel so old, man? All right, well, later, everybody.